0: All right, welcome to the O.A. Light a Candle Podcast. Visit our website at oalig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle Podcast are those of individual O.A. members and do not represent O.A. as a whole. I would like to introduce my sister, somebody I've recovered with for years, Bronte, to come speak with us tonight. Hi, I'm Hi, Bronte. Hi Bronze. Compulsive overheater. Thank you, Rashad, for asking me to speak. Um, it's such an honor to speak at this meeting, and um just gonna bring God in and guide my words and help me just be a channel and help me speak to the newcomer. And um, welcome to the newcomers. I'm so happy you're here, happy birthday. Um, I did not want to be part of a program that was called Overeaters Anonymous. I thought it was the worst name in the world and I really didn't want to call myself a compulsive overeater. And today I am grateful to say to call myself a compulsive overeater, um, because this program saved my life, and I have a life today. Um, so just to go back to what it was like, what happened, what it's like now, um, and my my abstinence is, uh, is is no binging, no restricting. I came into program seven and a half years ago uh, in October. God willing, it will be eight years. Um, I came in my senior year of college, and I cannot believe that it's been almost eight years. Um, What it was like, I I led a meeting recently, and it was on Tradition 6, and I saw the words money, property, and prestige. And I was like, oh, how does this, like, relate to me? And my sponsor very nicely pointed out, was like, yeah, Bronte, that is what takes you out of your spiritual aim. And you have a lot to share about Tradition 6. And that's basically what I grew up in. I grew up in money, property, prestige. I grew up in a family that um, put a lot of emphasis on looking good, being the best, um, being presentable, status, um, You know, my mom is very, still today, very beautiful woman. She always was. She was always very fit. And she was the kind of of person who, like, walked into a room and everyone would be like, oh, my God, your mom's so hot. And, you know, I always made that mean that, like, I wasn't good enough. Like, it wasn't like there was room for both of us to, like, be attractive. It was, like, a lot of if-then statements. That was, like, a big part of my disease. My dad is a good-looking dude too, you know. So together they made a really good-looking couple, and um, and and my dad comes from like you know running marathons and going to the gym a lot. So we were a very active family, and there was a lot of emphasis on like you know going to the gym, working out. It's like anytime you went to the gym, it was like gold star, good job, like you did it. And I felt a lot of praise, um, came, came from like, you know, just looking good on the outsides and like feeling like I needed to be perfect. And my food is, shame. The first memory that I have around that was, I think I was around 12 years old and it was the first time that I had weighed my, I remember weighing myself and I remember that I had weighed more than my mom. And, you know, like, I was a normal-looking kid. There was nothing, you know, wrong with my weight. But it was it was the first memory that I have of shame that I started to create this narrative of, like, oh, my God, there's something wrong with me. Like, there's something wrong with me because I weigh more than my mom. That doesn't add up. That doesn't seem right. And I remember, like, hysterically crying and just feeling, like, just feeling wrong and bad, like, to my core. And... You know, throughout my life, I was you know very active kid. In high school, I played two varsity sports, and I had this pressure to just like be the best. You know, just be the best at everything that I did, and um, and it was like perfect in school, perfect in sports, like whatever. And I went to I did like a study abroad program in Israel my sophomore year of high school, and you know, on that trip, uh, like, everything before that, like, I remember my life was, like, pretty good, like, you know, I was, like, good at school, I was, like, good at sports, and then I went on this trip, and, you know, I had a falling out with a friend, which was really heartbreaking, and I remember, like, I started to, like, pick up a lot more, and I came back from, like, studying abroad, and, um, and you know a lot of the girls had gained weight like i gained weight a lot of the girls had gained weight and like you know everyone was kind of able to like laugh it off and i started to feel like 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 mortified that i had gained weight and like like it was so embarrassing for me like i, I couldn't deal with it and i didn't understand how everyone else was just able to like laugh it on laugh it off and like move on with their lives and um and my mom like made this comment and she was like, oh, you know, you just have to, like, go back to the way you were, like, before you went abroad. And so, like, I really took that as, like, the word of God. And I really, like, held on to it. And, and you know, my life, like, I love, like, formulas and spreadsheets and rules. So it was like, okay, before I was good, now I'm bad, and now I need to go back to being good. And, you know, like, I was going to do whatever it took to get there. And so that started my journey, even though I was... Playing like two varsity sports, it was like I needed started to go to like a trainer and a nutritionist. And it was like, I had so much shame because of like my thighs and I played volleyball and it was like, you know, I just started to like have this feeling of embarrassment for the way that I looked. And, you know, so much of my story and like I'm able to see it now today is like, where did I take what other people said and personalized it? So like my mom, she says a lot of things. She says a lot of things I don't agree with. And you know, I I personalized it and like, you know, she would either if like a thin woman like walked in the room and she'd be like, "Oh my god, she has the best body." And like, I'm like a, a curvy person, I made that mean like, "Oh, I'm not good enough, she doesn't love me." And um and so I had a very like challenging relationship with my mom. We never really saw eye to eye. Um, I remember, you know, when I went to college, we were always, like, in the house, we were always, like, very healthy and organic, and um, I remember, like, I wanted to go eat something, like, while I was studying, I would hear from the other room, like, what are you eating? And, And I, like, I felt this, like, shame, like, oh my God, like, I'm doing something wrong. And... And I remember, like, going to college, and, like, it was, like, this F you to my mom of, like, I'm going to eat whatever I want, and you can't tell me anything. And, like, I didn't realize at the time, like, I was angrily eating at her. And, like, the fact that I did not know how to, like, process my feelings. And so I gained, like, I gained weight my freshman year of college, which, like, a lot of people do. And I remember, like, coming back in the spring, and I had, and I was so, like, I was so embarrassed for her to see me. I really thought that, like, she was going to, you know, just, like, it was extreme in my head, obviously. But it was, like, she's going to, you know, not going to love me or, or, like, she's going to disown me or, like, not approve of me. But it was just this feeling in my body that I wasn't good enough. And that's what I constantly live with was this feeling that I'm not good enough. And it really, like, when I went to college, my disease, like, when they say it's a progressive disease, like, it just, you know, it wasn't something that I the more that I tried to like think my way out of it, I could not think my way out of it. Like I remember like being as a kid, there were moments in my life where like, I didn't think about food or body or dieting or exercise all the time. And like at that point in my life in college, it, like I could not stop. Like it literally felt like there were 50 people in my brain all the time. Like there was a debate team in my head every time I wanted to put something in my mouth. It was like this, it was exhausting. And if I did, like, the guilt that came after it, it was like I can never win with myself. And I'm like, I don't understand how people are living. I don't understand how people go to a restaurant and have a meal and just have dinner and talk to each other and not think about, like, what are they going to do before or what are they going to do after or what's the strategy and what's the formula and what's the rule and how am I just going to get through this effing meal? And, um, you know, when I would sit and have a meal with people, I was not present I was not listening to what they were talking about. I was looking at what was on your plate, what was on my plate, what have you eaten, what have I not eaten, how much is left on my plate, am I allowed to finish it, what is it going to look like if I do finish it, what is everybody going to think of me? And, um, and it was just this constant, constant, like, obsession that never stopped. And I really believe that if I lost the weight, if I got to the number on the scale, if I got to the number on the pan size, whatever. If I fit into the perfect dress, then it would, you know, just, there would be peace and serenity and quiet. And I could just live my life like other normal people in their, you know, 1920s, whatever. And um, and it just, it never, it never stopped. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And so I would go to college, gain weight, it, like started this roller coaster. I'd go to college, gain weight, come back diet, get the, get the perfect trainer, get the perfect diet, um, remove myself from life until I felt like it was, you know, I would give myself permission. Like it was okay of like what I looked like. And so, you know, I missed out on a lot of life because I was, had so much shame of like walking into rooms Mm -hmm. and like, what, and honestly, like I did not look more than I, a lot more than I did right now, but it was like, I would sit in front of the mirror and just rip myself apart. Like I felt like I was obese. I would wake up in the morning and it was like my mission and purpose in my life was like, how am I gonna get skinny every day? And I really thought it was a willpower thing. And um, you know, when I was going through my like heavy restricting and you know, I would have meals with people, they would be like, oh my God, like you're so good. You have so much willpower. And it was like it gave me this hit of like, oh my God, like I did it, like I'm good enough. like and the fear of losing that, like the fear of losing what other people thought of me was so strong. and um and so it was just like this constant like, you know, roller coaster obsession, like restricting, you know, I went through this like uh, like I would restrict all day would hardly eat anything, and I was counting calories, like, obsessively, and, like, thank God today, like, I don't use the word, like, diet or calories in my vocabulary, like, it's such a miracle, and, um, and, and it was also, like, you know, in my family, in my community, there's, like, a lot of events, and there's a lot of parties, and there's a lot of, like, pressure to like show up in like the perfect dress and if you show up in the perfect dress then like you're gonna meet someone and then you're gonna get married and then you're good enough and then you did it and you know like that was the goal and and so I would restrict until I got to these events and the minute I got there it was like a free-for-all and because I was, like, literally dying inside. And, you know, and then I would give myself that one night to just eat whatever I wanted. And it was, like, okay, Monday, you're back on. So it was, like, always, like, a case of the Mondays. And, like, today, another miracle. It's, like, my food is the same as it was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like, there's no case of, like, Monday, I'm going to start over. It's, like, my, my spiritual condition, my program, and I'll get to that later, is, like, that that's what matters. That's what comes first, and um, and I hear people around me say it. Of like, you know, oh, I cheated, you know, or like, you know, I like I ate more than I thought. It's okay. Like Mondays, you know, I'll start on Monday, and I just sit there and I'm like, oh my god, thank God that like I don't have to do that today, or like that's not my story. And so, let's see how we're doing on time. I think we're good. Um, so, it was my senior year of college. And it's actually so crazy because, like, I, my parents are selling our childhood home right now, and, and I've been going through and packing up everything, and, and I found some of my old journals, and, and I found, like, my journal that I wrote about, like, the night that I hit my bottom, and I started reading it again, and I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. And, um... So I remember, you know, it was my, I was in my senior year of college. And at that point, I'd been like, doing this thing where it was like, I'd been restricting all day and then giving myself like permission to have like one big meal at the end. And I thought I found like the perfect workout. And I thought I found like the perfect thing that was going to fix me like I really thought I did it this time. And, and one of the things that like, I don't know this this program or whatever was like you have to do like 10,000 steps a day. Like I was insane if I didn't hit 10,000 10, steps a day. I remember like being in my room like running like, you know, just like making sure like I was so obsessed with numbers, like making sure I like hit like that number and then it was like, okay, you know, I can breathe now. Like I'm okay now. And also like another thing the scale, like I was never going to win with the scale. Like I would weigh myself every morning. I'd actually weigh myself multiple times a day, but like every time I got on the scale and it was more than what I thought it would be, then I would use it as an excuse to like beat myself up. And if it was less than what I thought it would be, then I would just use it as an excuse to eat. And so never, you know, never going to win with the scale. And Thank God, like in my life today, like it's been seven and a half years, and I don't weigh myself, and for me, like that works and um so okay, back to you know I hit my bottom i it was my senior year of college, and I went to dinner with my sister and we went to this nice restaurant, and you know I had like went to this- event and I like was like volunteering or something so it was like I I did something good so I felt like I deserve like a lot of my disease was like was it this I deserve mentality and so at that point I had been like counting my calories very heavily I'd been restricting you know I went into this dinner with like a game plan of like I'm only gonna eat this amount of calories and I'm only gonna have this and I'm only gonna have that and I'm not gonna have this And, naturally, like, I started to go against the, you know, what I had planned that night, and all the rules that I had created, and all the restrictions, and, and, you know, I started to eat a little bit more than I was comfortable with, and, um... You know the the waiter at the time he like came at the end of the meal and he was like, you know, here's a free cake and it's on the house. And I remember feeling so angry because it got in the way of my plan. And my sister was like, "Oh, you know, I'm just going to have a little bit." And I was like, "Okay, just going to have a little bit." And um and she went to the bathroom and she came back and I had like finished the cake. <laughs> and I was mortified. Like like the the shame and, like, self-destruction and, like, self-abuse that came over me that night. Like, I remember just, like, crying and, like, and really just feeling so, like, helpless of, like, why do I keep doing this? Like, why can't I get it? Why can't I just keep my freaking promise to myself that I said I'm not going to eat it? Like, why do I keep breaking it? and i didn't understand that like i had this thing and i went back to i went back to my apartment that night and like my world just got like very dark and it was like the first time i went back to my apartment and i tried to make myself throw up and it really scared me And it was, it was, like, what I needed to, like, kind of, like, surrender and put my hands up and just realize, like, I need help. Like, I can't keep doing this. I can't go down this spiritual path. I mean, not spiritual path, but not spiritual path. I can't go down this path. And, um, and I needed something else. And I remember, like, calling my therapist, and she had, like, told me about OA in the past, and I just thought she was calling me fat, so I was like, F you, I'm not going to call myself a compulsive overeater, there has to be another way, like, this isn't it. And um, and I actually heard her this time, and I was like, okay, I'll go to my first meeting. And, you know, like, I, I grew up, my dad's a 12-step guy, and I saw him, I saw him transform through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, and... I saw how he was someone in my life who I really admired and I really respected, and who wanted to have a relationship with his daughters. And it wasn't always like that. And you know, in the in the the ten, the tradition when it talks about which tradition is it? I can't see attraction, not promotion. Um, I really believe that my dad was like. it was the attraction, the attraction piece of what I needed, um, in order to give it a shot and say, like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it out, and he had told me also, he had told me, like, in the past, like, you need a, you need a spiritual solution around food, and I was just, like, what the hell does that mean, a spiritual solution around food, like, I had no concept of spirituality, and, um, and I just thought, like, I needed to go, like, meditate in a corner, and it was all this, like, woo-woo stuff, and then, like, that will make me lose the weight, and, um, and I, and I couldn't hear it, um, until I could, until I was desperate enough, and, like, I'm grateful today that, like, I hit my bottom, and I remember, like, calling my dad, and he was, like, congratulations, like, started laughing, and I was so mad, because I wanted to die inside, and he was laughing, and he was, like, congratulations, you've been given the gift of desperation, and I was, like, what the hell does that mean? And, um, but it really, it was really, like, what I needed to, to to just kind of put my hands up and surrender and, like, try something new, and I remember going to my first meeting, I was in Boston at the time, and it was a women's meeting, and, like, and it was completely different from what I perspective, what I, what I expected, and I walked into the room and, like, these women had like light in their eyes and they were talking about having a life in between their meals. And I was like, I don't really get it. Like, cause I was just grazing all day. And even if it was like healthy food, like even if it was fruits or vegetables, I just like could not stop. Like I always felt like I needed to have something in my mouth. And like, I also just had a really bad gum addiction. I think that's one of the things I realized where I was like, I think this isn't right, like, I think there's something wrong here, the fact that I need to chew a pack of gum a day, I felt like a, um, like a chain smoker, but with gum, and, um, and I had a friend at that time who was doing something similar with gum, so I just justified it, I was like, this is normal, and just, you know, seeing in my life where I was around people, or situations, or behaviors, and I just thought, like, I justified, and I felt like, oh, you know, what I'm doing is normal, it's not that bad, like, I just need to lose the weight, and then it'll go away, and and it never did, and so I went to my first meeting that night, and, um, and I remembered, you know, just feeling so, so scared, but so safe at the same time, and the way, like, these people who did not know me, or know anything about me, just, like, embraced me, and loved me, and held me, like, I was shocked. I was like, you you don't know me, you don't know anything about me. Like, why are you being so nice to me? Like why are you why are you giving me love? Like it was too much. Like I couldn't receive it, but like I felt I felt safe. And I remember like that first meeting when um there was a woman and she was sharing about how like she goes to the beach and how she like you know, she went to the beach and she like experienced Serenity and like I was like what what is she talking about? Like I don't get it Like what does serenity mean because like my mind was racing like a million miles an hour And I was just like constant like go 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 like be the best do the best like you know that's what's gonna make you successful in your life like lose the weight and um, And like thank God like today. It's like I get it like today is like That's actually one of the places where I feel so connected to God is like by the ocean by the beach and I know what serenity feels like today. It doesn't feel like a foreign foreign concept. I mean, sometimes it does when I'm, like, in it. But I have the tools today to, like, get myself out of it. And, um, you know, I got a sponsor right away. And I started working with steps. And, like, my life just started to change. And I started to look at the world with, like, a new pair of eyes. And I start my, you know, my relationship started to get better. Let's see how much time I have. Um, especially, like, my relationship with my mom, and that is one of the miracles of my life and, like, program today, and, like, you guys, I never really, I never thought that I could have a good relationship with my mom. Like, every conversation we had, I was so reactive, I was so angry, like, I would probably slammed the phone on her, like, a million times. And, you know, it didn't matter what came out of her mouth, I heard you are not good enough. And it was like this, you know, this critical voice in my head that once I started doing the steps and like seeing that, okay, I have a part in my relationships, which was so hard for me. And, um, you know, because I think I'm like all like innocent and stuff and I'm not causing harm to anyone's life. And, um, you know, my biggest character defect is victim. Because, like, I want to blame everyone of, like, why I don't feel okay. And, you know, seeing my parents, like, sell our childhood home has brought, like, so many emotions and feelings. Because there was so much good that happened there, but there was also a lot of, like... I was really in my disease, like, when we lived in this house, and it's crazy, it's, like, walking into the rooms, and, you know, you you could hear, like, it's, like, the walls are speaking to me, and I was, like, I remember, like, how many times would I, like, get ready for an event, and I had, like, a temper tantrum in the closet because, like, I didn't know what to wear, and, um, how many times did I, like, get on the scale and would just, like, be on the bathroom floor crying because I hated myself, and, um, Like, I did not know how to have a relationship with myself, even. I was so mean to myself. And, you know, when people started saying words like self-care or, like, be gentle on yourself, I, like, didn't understand what that meant. Like, it was like someone was speaking a foreign language to me because, like, if I thought I was being nice to myself, I thought I was not going to get anything done, like, You know, how am I going to be successful if I'm not beating the shit out of myself? Because that is the only fuel that I knew knew how to get something done. And um, so, you know, there's just, like, I look at my life today and I was like, oh, my God, you know, thank God that I could, like, wake up in the morning and my first thought isn't, like, how am I going to get skinny? And um, I have been... I, I like to read literature in the morning and get on my knees and pray. And, like, I don't come from a religion where, thank you, I don't come from a religion where we get on our knees and pray. But I heard people, that's what people do, you know, who had recovery, who had what I wanted. And So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this. And that's what I do in the morning. And I have a relationship with God as I understand God. And it's not the God that I grew up with. And it was it was challenging for me to, like, you know, have a new relationship with my God and realizing, like, how much I did grow up with a, you know, kind of like a, like, like a getcha God, or like a, you know, I really felt like if I was good, then God was going to bless me, and if I was bad, then, like, bad things were going to happen, and um, so to just create a new relationship with God that, like, loves me unconditionally, no matter what, like, it's been such a gift, and, and it's a relationship, so it's, like, I have to put in the work. And, you know, recently I've just been practicing, like, talking to God um, out loud. And even though it feels weird, I'll, like, say it. I was like, okay, this feels really weird and I feel really uncomfortable. But, like, God, I just need to talk to you. Like, I just need you right now. I feel scared. I feel alone. Like, please help me. Please help me trust you. Help me be close to you. Um, And some of the other miracles in my life today are... um, like you know like having hobbies (laughs) and feeling like I have like a full life and so like I love to go to the beach and I love to play beach volleyball which is something I couldn't do because I was so afraid of like being in a bathing suit and um and if someone like took a photo of me and like I was in a bathing suit like I felt like I wanted to die inside and um and I also love to dance, and I love to salsa dance, and it, like, makes me feel alive, and to just feel like I could participate in life, whereas, like, before, it was, like, everyone else was, like, living, and I was just kind of on the outside, and just wondering, like, why couldn't I do it, and, like, why couldn't I be happy, and why do I hate myself so much? It's, like, now realizing that I have a I have a choice, and to be able to, like, to get out of that, to get out of that ism, and it is a practice on a daily basis, and so, you know, just really um, leaning into program, and, and like, last month, a couple months ago, I'd been feeling, like, pretty disconnected, and I just realized, like, Zoom isn't working for me anymore, and, you know, I'm grateful for Zoom and I'm grateful for what it was and how it's, it's helping so many people. But, like, for me, I was distracted. I was on my phone. I was not paying attention. Like, and my sponsor was like, Bronte, I think you just need to get your butt in a chair. And I was like, yes, I do. And so I've been going to in-person meetings right now, and I, and I feel like I feel part of. And because my brain always find, wants to find a way to, like, make me, like, on the outside and make me feel like I don't belong. And, um, you know, there's just so many miracles in my life, but I do want to take a little bit of time for questions. Um, thank you. Thank you. Let me share. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you said that through the steps, you learned that, you know, whenever your mom said, you interpret it as you're not good enough. And I'm wondering, is the recovery that you don't hear that anymore, or that you do still hear that, but you identify it immediately and you don't need to respond. Thank you. Um, the question is through the steps. Um, you know, I used to hear that my mom, like everything my mom said, I used to hear that I'm not good enough. And what was the second part? Is it that you no longer hear that as it, much? Or, or do you hear it and you're able to identify okay. it so quickly that you don't have to respond yeah. the same way? Um, is it that I don't hear it, or do I identify it that I don't need to respond the same way? And so, thank you for the question. It's sometimes, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll hear what she says as a criticism, but I want to say, like, and I go to another program, too, because, like, I mean, two years into OA, like, I could not stop talking about her. And... um <laughs> so that has really helped me but like my sponsor was like Bronte you get into the ring and I was like I didn't know what that meant and I was like and she'll say something and it was like I wanted to fight I wanted to prove her wrong I wanted to have an opinion about it I want to be like how could you be a mother and say that And, and once I just like let go and just let her be who she was like my mom really puts a lot of pressure on, like, looking good and dresses, and, like, she used to constantly just, like, text me pictures of dresses to the point where it was, like, I want to take my phone and throw it against the wall, and because I would see that, and I would be, like, why are you trying to control me? Because I also had a lot of charge, and the more that I built self worth up, and this is my something my sponsor promised me she was like you will get to a point where your mom will say something to you and it'll just be a wash. And I was like I don't know what you're talking about. I was like I can't be around this woman. And um and it's true and it's like you know we're we're moving out of the house and it was like I'm able to like to to give her love and you know just say thank you and also like realizing that like I'm not a parent. I don't know what it's like to be a mom. I don't know what it's like to leave your country when you're 12 years old and start a new life. Mm. Like one of the silver linings of the pandemic was that all the, all the like glitz and glam and parties and whatever, it was all stripped away from us. And I also realized like I did not know her. I did not know my mom as a human being. Mm. I built this wall up and I thought she was materialistic and I thought she was superficial and I did not have space to get to know her as a human. And, um, and it was really powerful once I started to, you know, take down my own walls and just, and just get to know her. And even if she did, like, open up to me, I always found a way to make her wrong. So, like, having her share and just accepting it for what it is and not making it about me, like, I, it gave me so much more compassion for her as a human. And thanking her and being able to see all the good that she did for us. Because, like, I couldn't see any of it. I was just constantly blaming her. And, you know, realizing that we're all doing the best that we can. It's something that people told me early on and it really pissed me off. Like, your parents are doing the best that they can. And I'm like, no, they could be doing better. And, you know, I really do believe it now that I also have the choice of, like, what do I want to see? What do I want to look at? And, you know, what do I want to give power? So, like, sometimes she'll say stuff and I can go into that shame spiral of, like, not feeling good enough. But, like, I get to see that's me. Like, that's my part. Like, that's me personalizing with it. And then I go pick up the phone and call someone and be like, you know, my mom said blah, 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 blah. And they're like, yeah, (laughs) it's not true. (laughs) So, thank you. Yes. I'm wondering if you would mind sharing your experience the first time you worked at six, seven, and then also nine and ten. Oh, that's a good question. Um, how much time do you have? That's a long question. My first, I'm trying to remember. Four. Yeah. What you, yeah. S- six and seven. We're entirely re- to, ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Humbly has, asked him to remove our shortcomings. I remember my sponsor giving me a list or, you know, from my fourth step we created a list together of my of my character defects. And then I did some I did some writing on them and then I turned them over. And I mean when I was ready, like I started to see how the, the defects of my character the defects of character were really like working. They were they were working me and sometimes like I w- it wasn't I had to realize like it wasn't in my timing when they were going to be let go. So like I was a crazy perfectionist or, like, people pleaser or, like, um, you know, victim was, like, a big one for me. And it, like, could still even come up today. But it was, like, and saying, like, the the seventh step prayer and, like, every morning, like, asking God, like, please help remove these defects of character. Um, I am trying to think. Step eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. My first round, I was not ready, you know, to make my amends right away. And I, you know, I wrote a list of all people, including, like, my mom, including, like, a cousin that I had a, you know, big resentment towards. And and I was not ready because I was still acting like a victim. And my sponsor pointed that out to me. And... um, you know, a lot of the amends in my life today are living amends, because it's, like, a lot of the ways, like, the ways that I showed up, um, was, like, my own stuff, and, um, you know, I had, like, a big resentment, like, towards my cousin, like, for years, and, you know, she was, like, this, like, happy-go-lucky girl, and, like, I was very rigid and, like, controlling, and, you know, just, like, always felt like I needed to be, like, the good student in school, never felt like I had, like, permission to go live and to, like, have fun, and I just, like, resented her for years, and I had all these, like, stories about her, thank you, and I'll just wrap up and say that, like, you know, one of my amends today to her is like is living amends and like giving her love and um and I think like in the in the OA twelve and twelve it says like however many years we like resented this person is like how many years we, we show them love. And and it's like I was around this girl and she was my cousin and I could not make eye contact with her because it was so jealous. And like the fact that she's one of like my closest friends and like family members today and like that I can give her love and I can receive her love even because I thought like, you know, if someone showed me love, they just had an ulterior motive. Um is a huge gift. But I'll guess my time's up. But so All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.